This episode was made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. For more information, please visit patreon.com slash author Chris Lester. I strive to make this podcast a safe and inclusive place for my listeners. If I've missed any content warnings, please let me know. Content warnings for this episode include Strong Language, Mature Themes, Futinari, Women with Penises, Masturbation, Female-Female Sex, and Erotic Transformations. You're listening to The Raven and the Writing Desk, the weekly podcast about the writings of Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. This is episode 245. Hello, Metamorphs. Welcome back to The Raven and the Writing Desk. I'm Chris Lester, the creator and head author of the Metamorph City story universe. You can learn more about me and my work at chrislester.org and metamorphcity.com. This is the show where I share my fiction with you, fresh off the writing desk. I'll also tell you the latest on my writing endeavors. So let's kick things off with this week's story. Today I'm bringing you Chapter 19 in my Metamore City erotic fantasy, Homecoming. If you're new to the show, go back to Episode 228 to hear this story from the beginning. The following recap will contain spoilers. In our last episode, John and Kate went back to her parents' house with Chase and Emily. After a threesome with Emily inadvertently set off an essence-fueled orgy at a house party, Chase absorbed enough life mana to complete his metamorphosis into an incubus. The resulting surge of power caused him to lose control of his essence, and a large portion of it was unleashed as a lust storm, a mindless manifestation of divine hunger. Kate absorbed the lust storm using the supernatural talent she inherited from St. Mirai, the so-called Star Child's Gift. Taking in so much of Suspira's essence transformed Kate even further, giving her bat-like wings and increasing the size of her horns, breasts, and phallus. With Chase traumatized from his own transformation, and Kate suddenly unable to fit into any of her clothes, our heroes retreated to Sam and Lisa's place to figure out their next move. They tried to sneak in the back door to avoid waking Kate's parents, but they were confronted by Miko, Lisa's enormous guard dog. Miko could not recognize Kate, given that both her shape and her scent had changed dramatically, and he treated her and the others as intruders. Just as they were planning to slip back outside and return via the front door, Lisa showed up behind them, armed with a shotgun to deal with the home invaders. She was understandably shocked when she saw the transformation that had overtaken her daughter. After dismissing the cops and sending Chase and Emily upstairs to sleep, Lisa sat down for a long talk with John and Kate. It turns out that Lisa already knew that John was an incubus, having done her research on him when he and Kate started dating. In the course of the conversation, Kate learned that her biological father, Jacob Valenti, also had the Star Child's gift, and that this was a major reason he had decided to become a cop instead of a Lightbringer. The Lothanasi would have expected him to use his gift to fight outsiders, stealing their essence, and he feared that he would lose his sense of himself if he did it too often. 
John pointed out that they have a potential problem in the making. They have two incubi and one succubus under one roof, and Kate and Chase do not have their essence under complete control. Right now, all of them are well-fed, but when they start to get hungry, it could cause serious problems, given that the only sources of life mana available are Emily, Sam, and Lisa. Lisa decided that she and Sam would go get a hotel room, leaving Kate and the others to spread out as needed. After looking once more at Kate's succubus body, she decided to tell Sam only the broad strokes for now. Homecoming A Tale of Metamorph City Written and read by Chris Lester Chapter 19 John did not witness the conversation between Lisa and her husband, so he had no idea what telling him the broad strokes of the situation might have entailed. He was frankly dying to know how she sold the idea of abandoning their house to two incubi, their daughter turned succubus, and whatever debaucheries might result. As it happened, though, the contained soundproofing must have been as good as Sam said, because none of their conversation filtered over to the office where John and Kate were setting up the air mattress. Within thirty minutes, Sam, Lisa, and Mika were out the door. John watched them go from the upstairs landing, hauling a weekend bag, a sleeping mat for Miko, and two large shopping bags full of pet supplies. That dog's got more luggage than they do, he thought with amusement. But he wasn't surprised that Lisa wanted Miko close, especially after seeing him in action. If bad guys had killed my husband and wanted to kill me, I'd probably get a giant guard dog too. After making up the airbed for Emily, Kate set up a simple warding circle around the office, using salt from the kitchen and some iron nails John scavenged from the garage. She placed six unlit candles in equidistant positions around the circle, marking out the points of an invisible six-pointed star, then placed a butane lighter next to the nearest candle. Lastly, she stepped outside the circle, pricked her thumb with her casting dagger, and squeezed a few drops of blood into the line of salt. Mana flowed out of her stored reserves as she did so, filling the room with a sense of quiet tension, potential energy waiting for an outlet. It won't stand up to much of an attack, she warned, frowning critically at her own work. Abjuration spells like this are earth magic. I'm an air mage. I know what I'm doing from a theory standpoint. But when it comes to execution, I'm not much better than a Monday. It's all right, John assured her. All we need is a shelter for Emily to get away from our essence if she needs to. It's a tent, not a castle. Then let's hope we don't have another storm, Kate said. They checked on Emily and Chase again, but both were fast asleep, so John and Kate decided to leave them that way. They each took a brief shower, where they finally scrubbed off the residue of the night's adventures, took care of the other evening essentials, and then withdrew to Sam and Lisa's room. John was overjoyed to see the king-sized bed, covered with a thick, fluffy duvet and soft cotton sheets. Even with Kate's wings, there was plenty of room for both of them. 
they collapsed into bed at about half-past three, and John was aware of nothing until well after nine o'clock. He awoke to the sound of heavy breathing. Turning over, he saw Kate lying on her back, the covers thrown off of her. Her cock was fully erect, and she was stroking it urgently with one hand, while the other squeezed one swollen breast and tugged at its engorged nipple. She had brought her tail into play as well, thrusting its head in and out of her soaking pussy. John propped himself up on one elbow and watched her for a while, taking in the erotic sight of his transformed girlfriend pleasuring herself. Kate's eyes were closed, and she did not seem to have noticed that he was awake. John's own cock quickly grew hard as he watched her, and he began stroking himself as well, quietly enjoying the show. Kate let out a soft moan as she brought herself to climax, shooting a spray of semen that mostly landed on her own stomach and breasts. Her tail ceased its movements, but she kept it inside herself, her pelvic muscles clenching visibly around the thick, muscular organ. Her eyes fluttered open, and she looked down at the streams of sticky white fluid on her torso. With apparent fascination, she scooped some of it up, rubbed it between her fingers and thumb. She raised it to her nose, sniffed it. Then, responding to some transgressive impulse, she quickly stuck her fingers in her mouth and sucked them. Another moan of pleasure escaped her, and her eyes suddenly went wide in shock. She pulled her fingers out of her mouth and stared at them, as if she couldn't believe what she had just done. John let out a low, sensual chuckle. Don't worry, we've all done that sooner or later. Kate's head jerked in his direction, her cheeks flushing a deep crimson. Slowly, she lowered her hand. It seemed to find her cock of its own volition, which was still stiff with arousal. She stroked it lightly as she spoke. All guys, or all incubi and succubi? The latter. Though I suspect all guys are at least curious. Kate looked down at her chest again. Most guys don't taste that good. Is that another one of your special sex powers? Probably, John said, grinning. Lady Suspira's all about pleasure. Wouldn't she want every part of us to be pleasurable? Kate conceded this with a tilt of her head. The movement of her hand on her cock was starting to gain urgency again. Gods, how the fuck am I still hard? I came so hard my toes curled. Yeah, John said, his tone inviting. Who are you thinking about? Kate's blush turned a few shades hotter. Morgan, I was imagining what it would be like to surprise her with this when we got home. John gave her a slow nod. Then he closed his eyes and called up the image of Morgan in his mind. He pictured her lithe and supple body, a few centimeters shorter than Kate's, with long, shapely legs and well-toned muscles, her flawless alabaster skin, her breasts, which were moderate in size, firm and well-shaped, with small areoli and pale pink nipples, her straight black hair, which fell to the middle of her back, her elegant face, with its strong chin, patrician nose, and dark, expressive eyes. Then he focused on the essence that infused his own body, and commanded it to reshape itself. He felt the warmth and tingling of shifting flesh, 
a sensation that was somehow erotic in its own right. His cock shrank out of his hand, and he felt his body folding inwards, his testicles withdrawing, his scrotum splitting and expanding into the moist, inviting folds of labia. He ran his fingertips along his new lips, then up to the swollen nub of his clitoris. A jolt of pleasure immediately ran through him, from his groin up to his now swollen nipples. He moaned, and the voice that came from him was a husky alto. He opened his eyes and saw Kate staring at him, her own eyes wide and dilated, her mouth half open in an expression of wonder mingled with desire. John smiled sensuously at her, and deliberately let his voice return to the posh, upper-class accent he had abandoned more than ten years ago. "'Do you like what you see, darling?' Kate swallowed hard. Her tongue darted out and moistened her lips. "'Holy fuck, John! Does... does she know you can do that?' John chuckled wickedly. His voice was not an exact match for Morgan's but it was awfully close. I've been practicing with her for the last few months. Morgan has some very naughty fantasies about having an identical twin. We've been waiting for the right time to surprise you. His lips parted in a grin, revealing Morgan's gently pointed canines. Surprise. He rolled forward onto his hands and knees, then prowled over to straddle Kate's legs. Kate watched him, eyes wide and hungry, saying nothing. Her tail pumped slowly in and out of her slit, adding to her arousal. John lowered his body onto Kate's legs, his breasts rubbing over her quadriceps. He reached out and grasped the base of Kate's enormous cock, and rested his head beside it on her inner thigh, so that the shaft was pressed against his cheek. He looked up at her with Morgan's wide, soulful eyes, and pursed Morgan's red, full lips at her. "'Oh, dear,' he said, still imitating Morgan's accent and vocal patterns. "'It looks like you've gotten yourself all excited, darling.' He reached up to the tip of the cock, traced his way back down again with slow, teasing fingers. "'Would you like some help with this?' Oh, gods, yes, Kate panted. John let Morgan's lips widen in a slow, hungry smile. He was already soaking wet with anticipation, so he didn't waste any time with the preliminaries. Slowly, being mindful of Kate's wings lying folded to either side, he got to his feet on top of the bed. He positioned himself carefully over the tip of the engorged cock. Kate reached up to steady him, holding him by his newly buxom hips. John crouched down, grasped the cock with one hand, and lowered himself slowly down, guiding Kate inside him. John had had sex as a woman on many occasions, but being penetrated in this way always felt a little alien at first. It was doubly so now, as Kate filled him with an organ nearly as thick as her own forearm. His vaginal muscles clenched up instinctively at this invasion, and it took focus and concentration to make them relax and allow her inside. These tissues were made for stretching, of course, 
but John was still amazed at how much his vagina seemed to stretch as he lowered himself down onto Kate's cock. Pain mingled with pleasure, all entwined with a sense of fullness that bordered on the surreal. "'Blood and ashes, you are big!' John panted, in not-quite-Morgan's voice. Kate smiled up at him, a wicked glint in her eyes. "'What's the matter, Morgan?' Is your girlfriend's cock too much for you to handle? I can handle it, darling. Just need to go slow for a bit here. Take your time, Kate murmured. I want to savor this. It took more than a minute, but at last John was sitting astride Kate's hips, with all thirty-odd centimeters of her inside. The pain subsided, leaving only the fullness and the pleasure. John leaned forward, letting Morgan's long, dark hair fall in curtains on either side of his face, and Kate lifted her head to meet him in a kiss. The feeling of their full, feminine lips against each other was exquisite. Kate thrust her tongue inside John's mouth, and John gave her entry, his own tongue caressing and dancing with hers. Kate's hands reached up and cupped his breasts, then squeezed them hard. She broke the kiss, then lifted one breast to her lips and sucked on the nipple. John let out a moan of appreciation. John began to move against her now, using his arms and legs together to lever himself up and forward. Kate's length was a great asset here. He lifted himself up more than twelve centimeters and still had more than half her cock inside him. Slowly, carefully, he lowered himself back down, letting that glorious fullness fill him up again. This time there was no pain. Oh, gods, darling, that feels incredible. For me, too, Kate said. Her voice was soft and a little shaky. Gods, Morgan, you look so damned good like that. John smiled wryly down at her. Whether Kate was just role-playing the scene they had created, or she had momentarily forgotten that she wasn't actually fucking Morgan, he didn't know. It didn't matter. He leaned in close and gazed at her through half-lidded eyes. And you, he purred, make for one damned sexy succubus. He kissed her hard, and she returned it with equal passion. She reached up and grabbed his head, ran her fingers through that silky black hair. When they came up for air, she looked him squarely in the eyes. Ride me hard, lover. Don't hold back. John grinned. I wouldn't dream of it, darling. They settled into a rhythm, deep, regular strokes in and out, up and down. John threw his head back, flicking the curtain of hair out of his face, and exulted in the sensations. Kate bucked her hips in time with him, driving her cock into the hilt with every thrust. Throaty, feminine moans escaped from him as waves of pleasure radiated out from his pussy and flowed through his whole body. The world shrank from his perceptions until only the two of them remained, two bodies moving together, filling and being filled. The first orgasm ran through him like warm honey, sweet and slow and running over every part of him. 
Instead of finding himself spent and satiated, it only stroked his arousal higher. As the climax faded, John felt a burning need to go faster. He got his feet planted under his knees, pushed himself up, then let his own body weight carry him back down. Kate's cock slammed up inside him, shockingly hard and fast, and a delicious thrill ran through him. He did it again and again and again, bouncing Morgan's shapely ass against his heels, the enormous phallus pistoning in and out of him with soul-shaking force. John screamed out a second orgasm, then a third, each time coming harder and longer. Kate cried out too, and held on to his hips for dear life as his pussy swallowed her again and again. Dimly, John was aware of it when their auras opened up to one another. His essence reached out and fed on Kate's human life force, and hers did the same to him, lighting up the pleasure centers of both their brains in unison. Stars exploded across John's vision, the world going white, as Kate groaned and filled him with her seed. All motions ceased, and they held each other through the exchange of energy. John's back arched, Kate's hands gripping his waist, his hands holding tightly to her forearms. All the world was swallowed up in pleasure, the pleasure of feeding and of being fed upon, both at once. The sensation was a strange one, John's Daedra half growing stronger at the same time that his human half grew weaker. Through the haze of pleasure, John vaguely wondered what would happen if the exchange continued for too long. Could a succubus and an incubus consume one another, taking so much life mana that their human hearts gave out from the strain? What would happen to their essence if they did? Would it become an untethered lust storm, free to wreak havoc until someone stopped it? Or would one of them have to win, the stronger consuming the weaker? Given how much essence Kate had absorbed tonight, John thought he knew how that would end. But apparently John's Daedric side was invested in the survival of its human host, because it didn't come to that. Even as his vision began to fade, infernal strength rose up inside him and blocked the flow of life mana into Kate. Kate's own essence copied the move, and John lurched and gasped as their supernatural hungers clashed head-on. An invisible force grabbed hold of his mystic center, the tension snapping taut between them. John's eyes went wide, and a moment of stark terror ran through him. Kate had taken his essence before, and she was even stronger now. She could take everything. She could swallow him whole. But Kate knew what was happening now. Her eyes met his, and John saw the light of sudden understanding in them, a flash of insight born from experience. She closed her eyes, the lines of tension smoothed across her face, and then essence began to flow into John. It was not the uncontrolled torrent that had flooded out of him two nights ago. This was a steady stream, focused and channeled by Kate's will. John's mystic center welcomed it back eagerly, absorbing the essence and making it a part of himself once more. He did not change back completely into his usual form. His core was more efficient at storing its own essence than Kate's. But some changes did manifest. 
His skin turned from Morgan's alabaster white to his own brick red, his nipples darkening to a deep reddish brown. He sprouted a tail and a small set of horns, not unlike the ones Kate had acquired from him, and his clit grew into a penis again. At the same time, Kate's own body was changing. Her horns and breasts shrank back to their previous size, her wings dissolved into red smoke, and inside John's vagina, he felt Kate's cock reduce itself to a more reasonable size. Kate's eyes opened, and she grinned in triumph as she took note of the changes in both of their bodies. Then she closed off her aura, ending the flow of essence between them. She lay her head back on the pillow again with a woof of expelled air. John climbed off of her and snuggled up to her side, drawing the covers up around them. Kate slid an arm around him, fondled one of his breasts, and kissed him tenderly. That's a good look on you. Sexy succubus Morgan? I would totally have fun with you like that. I'll keep that in mind, John said. He reached down and ran his fingers over her cock. I notice you decided to keep something, too. I guess being a succubus isn't so bad after all. Kate laughed. Are you kidding? I fucking love this. I'm just worried that I might love it too much. She traced her fingers down his back, stopping to stroke the base of John's tail. It was deliciously sensitive back there. He arched his back and let out a murr of pleasure. Kate's eyes sparkled at the sound. But yeah, once I knew I could control it, I decided to keep it a while longer. I'm still on vacation, after all. John grinned at her. Screw prudence. Kate made an expression of mock confusion. Sorry, I don't know prudence. Why, is she cute? They both laughed at that. Laughter turned to kissing, which turned to more cuddles and gentle fondling. There was no urgency to it. Their human sides were both dozy and relaxed, and their daedric sides were, for the moment, relatively sated. But the feeling of their soft, smooth, feminine bodies intertwined was comfortable and soothing, and John let himself drift while he enjoyed it. After a while, a knock came at the door. Guys? Emily's voice. Come on in, Kate said. Emily came in with wet hair and a towel wrapped around her, smelling faintly of body wash and conditioner. She cooed in delight when she saw John and Kate snuggled up together in their succubus forms. You look so cute, she exclaimed. And hey, you got rid of the wings. Yep, Kate said obviously pleased with herself. You want to come cuddle with us for a while? Emily gave her an apologetic half-smile. I do, but I'm starving. Can I take a rain check? You bet, Kate said. We'll get up in a minute and start on breakfast. If you need some clean clothes, I have extras in my bag. They'll be baggy on you, but the sweats should fit. Cool. That was my next question. Chase needs some, too. He can help himself to some of my stuff, John said. How's he doing? Emily's expression turned more serious. He's quiet. I think he was glad I was there, but now he's being weird about it. I'm hoping he'll talk to you. All right, John said. Why don't you see if you can find the stuff to make pancakes? 
That was Sam's idea, so he probably has everything we need. We'll meet you downstairs in five. Sounds good, Emily said. She turned to go, then stopped by the door, looked back over her shoulder, and winked. Don't get distracted now. Kate gave her a lazy salute. Aye, aye, Captain. And that's the end of Chapter 19. Come back next time, when John helps Chase understand the change that has happened to him. Brenda Whalen said, Don't always be appraising yourself, wondering if you are better or worse than other writers. Since you are like no other being ever created since the beginning of time, you are incomparable. So come with me, and let's see what I've created this week. Here's your weekly writing report. This update covers the week of July 25th through July 31st. I wrote 6,845 words this week, over the course of 9.5 hours, for an average writing speed of 721 words per hour. As of Friday night, I have gone 105 days without breaking my chain. Looking back at the month of July, I wrote a total of 20,262 words in 22 days, averaging 921 words per day. That ranks 22nd out of 63 months since I started this podcast. I spent 28 hours writing this month. Compared to June, my word count decreased by 14%, and my writing time decreased by 22%. This week, I made good progress on Honor Bound. Honor and Natasha are now moving into their new status quo, with Honor's father hiring Natasha to be Honor's bodyguard and lady's companion. Lord Bellevue surprised me this week. As I was writing his scene with Natasha where he offers her the job, I realized that he was already aware that Honor and Natasha were attracted to one another. Rather than being the stereotypical clueless authority figure who pushes the protagonists together without realizing how this will affect them, Bellevue has emerged as someone much more complex and astute. He has his own motivations for keeping Honor and Natasha together, but he's not sharing his reasoning with Honor, because she's not ready to hear it. That creates an opportunity for dramatic irony, where Honor thinks that she has to hide their romance from Lord Bellevue, and Natasha has to hide the fact that Lord Bellevue already knows about it. And as you all know, I love me some dramatic irony. The story is now in Chapter 19, and the manuscript is nearly 46,000 words. If you'd like to share your thoughts about the show, send your feedback in text or audio to metamorecityfeedback at gmail.com. To leave a voicemail, dial area code 641-715-3900, then enter extension 255082, followed by the pound sign. My Facebook is facebook.com slash author Chris Lester. The fan group is fans of Metamore City on Facebook, and our Discord server is Metamore City. I'm there pretty often, so come say hi. If you like this show, please consider leaving a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podchaser.com. It really helps people find the show. That's all for this week. I'll be back next time with more fresh new fiction. Until then, keep it on the bright side. 
This is Chris Lester, signing out. The contents of this podcast are copyright 2019 and 2020 by Chris Lester and Liminal Corvette Press. The show is released under Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives License. So don't change it, don't sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. For more information about this license, please visit creativecommons.org.